listening to the Taming Hinges podcast. Conversations about self-awareness and mental health. We talk about anything and everything on the podcast. Real experiences, real life. Come get triggered. That's right. Come get triggered on the Taming Hindrances podcast. As always, my name's Phil. I'm the host and creator of the podcast. And I have another episode for you, for the few of you who actually listen, which I mean is no one. But anyway, um, this episode is possibly controversial. And I've waited to do this one till now because I wanted to get a bunch of other things out of the way. But this episode is all about freedom. And it's a not the whole world of freedom as far as, you know, like politically free and what it means to be freedom in a democratic state and all these other things. No, this is about freedom when it comes to self-awareness. Remember the podcast is all about self-awareness and mental health. And thus this episode is about freedom and how we should look at freedom even in that spectrum of the taboo world of talking about freedom and the politics and everyday life and all that stuff, but from a perspective that revolves around mental health and self-awareness. So as always, or not always, but as I do most often, let's start with a definition. And as always, I'm going to use Merriam-Webster's Dictionary because I like their format and layout. And Merriam-Webster's Dictionary defines freedom in the full definition sense as the quality or state of being free, such as the absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint in choice or action, liberation from slavery or restraint or from the power of another, uh, the quality or state of being exempt or released usually from something onerous, unrestricted use, ease of facility, the quality of being frank, open, or outspoken. Some might classify me as that, I apparently uh, have found out recently. Uh, improper familiarity. It, it goes on yet, but uh, a political right, boldness of conception or execution. But then they also have the essential meaning. What Merriam-Webster's Dictionary considers the essential meaning of freedom, they define as the power to do what you want to do or the ability to move or act freely. Again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to the, the first part there for a second. The power to do what you want to do. That is, by nature, the full realm of self-awareness. What I would even consider the full realm of mental health is understanding what that means to you. What is the power to do what you want to do? We have to break that down a little bit. What is it you want to do? And what does the power to do that look like? I think that's where we really need to look at freedom as it's a definition. Freedom is something you need to define for yourself. And that comes with the study of yourself, self-awareness. It also comes with the understanding 
of what are all the things that cause that not to be in existence for you? Because that's the world of mental health. If we look at it almost objectively, we take a little bit of the subjectivity out of it, which is nearly impossible in this, this conversation. But when we look at mental health and the idea of freedom, what are the things that keep you from being free? What are the things weighing down on you so much that they affect your mental health? Because those are the things to attack. Now, oddly enough, I'm going to come at this from the perspective of the warrior. So I've said before in this podcast, and I'm sure I'll say many, many more times because repetition is the mother of all skill. Failure is its father. I come from a martialist background. When I look at something, I look at it from the perspective of what would be considered the warrior or the warring class, the those who associate themselves with being at war, in war, or capable of performing war. Now, I also classify that as humanity. I believe one of the things that makes us human is our unrelenting seek. I don't even have a word for it. It's just our unrelenting. I know it's unrelenting. That's for sure. But our, our unrelenting necessity, our unrelenting want or need for war. It's almost like we define as humanity in a whole microcosm versus microcosm here. And the macrocosm of humanity, it's almost like we define war as our freedom. Our ability to wage war is our ability to be free because we believe it's nece necessary for war to precede or come before freedom. For some reason, freedom is not, it's not an inalienable right. It's not a right at all. It's something that must be accomplished through warfare. In order for one to be free in the history of all humanity, war must have been waged. It's, it's as old as time at this point. When it comes to the history of humanity, in order for there to be freedom, I'll say it again, war must be waged. Because we didn't have freedom before war, because we didn't, we didn't have a definition for it. It's like freedom and warfare are two sides of the same coin, and that coin as all things are duality, they must be triality. That coin is some measurement of purpose or necessity, reason for being. I'm not quite sure what. I haven't defined that yet, and I, I'll work on it, but maybe you can come up with your own definition on that one. But I do find that warfare and freedom go hand in hand together. They're a measurement of each other. If we're not free, we're at war. And when we're at war, we're trying to gain freedom. And we've done it forever. And it goes back and forth, back and forth. It's, it's a constant, ever-changing revolution. It, it, what side are you on? It's half and half, yin-yang. It's never-ending. So I'm coming at it from that perspective, as I do from the perspective I come at things from naturally, is, is this idea of martialism, to be a martialist. You know, I practice martial arts, but really I'm a martialist. I've studied war. I've never been at war. I'm not a veteran. Shout out to all the veterans out there. You're amazing people. And you've gone through far more than I have or probably ever will. And I respect you wholeheartedly as all should. Because those who have gone to war are those who fight truly for freedom. And I take it a step further because I understand war a little bit more than most. 
And that's not their fault, as always. I, I like to take the connotation out of things. So don't think I'm getting down on anyone who's not a veteran. War is consistent throughout all things. Those who are veterans in the sense that we use in America are those who have fought kinetic wars. Kinetic wars are those in which we shoot at each other. That's, that's what's defined as a kinetic war. Or a war in which weapons of design were used. A sword fight is a kinetic warfare. Bow and arrow, kinetic warfare. I think I've, I've mentioned some of these before. But in today's modern world, we use guns. We also use cyber warfare, mental warfare. We use agendas and political associations. We use money. Uh, the whole financial world is a war. Marketing is a war. Marketing is a war for your attention. Everyone who is doing marketing is warring for your attention. And they do it in all different ways. Pepsi versus Coke, Nike versus Fila, um, Adidas, you know, shoe companies, hat companies, clothing companies, drinks companies, food companies. Every company who's producing marketing or needs marketing to, you know, sell their product, they're in a war for your attention. You are the commodity. They need it because along with that attention comes your monetary fiscal power. Um, and everyone has fiscal power. Everyone has monetary power. The problem with that is they don't set the monetary policy. So a lot of people feel they're trapped because the financial system isn't working for them. They're working for it. Their attention is their power and that's taken away from them constantly because they just give it away. It's very odd to me, um, and I take this from Alan Watts. I'm not going to take credit for this in any way. If you listen to Alan Watts, who I've mentioned before in the podcast, and I really hope you have or do go check out Alan Watts's um, lectures, amazing mind giving amazing lectures about the, the Eastern Zen system, but presented in a way that the Western mind can really attach to it and learn things from it. So Alan Watts, uh, in one of his lectures, mentions he finds it very funny, and I agree, that when we talk about money, we often associate it with wealth. And they're two different things. Sure, a large bank account can be considered wealthy, but we often disassociate money, the physical form of it, with goods or even services. So his analogy that he uses is when someone goes to the store... They get really depressed when they get all these goodies in their cart and they go up and they hand over their hard-earned money because money to them is associated to time and their effort. And then they get all these goodies and they take them home, but they're depressed because they gave away their money. They're mad about it. They're upset that they had to give away their hard-earned dollars. Yet they have this whole shopping cart, now bags and home full of the things that that paid for. That's, you know, one of the analogies he's he uses in that sense. And this is a conversation of freedom. This is a conversation of understanding, which goes along with freedom. And really when it comes to freedom in the mental health world, we need to talk about the understanding of coping mechanisms because that's what this is. Freedom to us is, is that it's, it's, are you free to cope? Are you free to use the mechanisms in which you find necessary to cope? Now, again, remember, I, I stay out of the clinical perspective here. I, I, I'm not a physician. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a psychologist, psychiatrist. 
I have no professional background in this whatsoever, which means take everything I say with a grain of salt and don't believe any of it. Do your own research. Just an idiot who publishes a podcast. It also means I can give no professional advice. And as much as that sounds like a disclaimer, it is a disclaimer because that's a part of the situation of freedom. Am I free to say what I really think? Who knows? But when we're talking about coping mechanisms, are you free to cope in which, in the ways in which you need to cope? And coping can be a positive thing. Is it a good positive thing, in my personal opinion, to cope with alcohol, drugs, and sex, and all these other things? No, it's not. Because it's one-sided. It's not balanced in any way. There's no balance to that. And this is where we come up with the idea of binging because people believe that it's a possibility to counteract the damage by going the opposite way. And I used to do this constantly. This is a story I can tell you that I've, I've done for a very long time until I learned true balance in myself was my coping mechanisms or my actions of seeking freedom from the monotony or the pain or, you know, just trying to be released from what I found to be just unbearable was an action of binging. I'd go hard for two weeks, maybe a month, drink every day. You know, I smoked cigarettes constantly. You know, I went out and I stayed up all night. I was at the bar, all this crap. And then I'd reverse course and go a month hardcore training martial arts, working out, eating healthy. And I would just flip-flop, flip-flop back in the other. And I used to think that's balance and it's not. In no way is that balance. So it's hard to find a balance to things that are damaging to you personally, your body specifically, which is why I make a huge separation when I talk about body, mind, and other, or you know what some people consider their spiritual body or life. The body is yours to take care of. And it's a really good way of making judgmental calls as to, are you causing yourself harm? Because in the case of someone like myself, which is all I can really reference, remember, I consider depression to be uniquely who you are. Go back and listen to the depression episode if you haven't. It'll make it all make sense. But in that situation in which I want to cause myself harm, it really took the understanding of what would be considered freedom from the the freedom of the body from my mental, from my mind. I needed to free the body, which is not mine per se. If you look at it in this methodology of there's a, a body, it's I a, a correlate it to a, a coral reef, where I you know I, I use that analogy. It's a your body is just a bunch of cells and bacteria and a bunch of things that aren't yours. They would live on their own if they had the chance but they require you to feed them and keep them alive. That's, it's like having a dog, <laughs> you know, you're responsible for that animal. It's like having a cat, although cats will figure it out on their own. They're pretty smart that way. But that's the reality is, you know, we look at animals and we go, Oh, poor animal. We need to take care of you. You know, we need to put you in a zoo or we need to feed you or, you know, take care of our pet and this, that, and the other thing. And we often treat our animals better than we treat other humans but we often treat our animals better than we treat our own bodies. 
And it's a better story to look at your body kind of like an animal in that sense, like a pet. You're responsible for it. You know, it didn't, it didn't choose this. The organisms in my body did not choose to be here. I put them there. My whole gut biome, my, my microbiome of my gut, this, you know, millions and millions and millions of bacteria, I put them there. I ate yogurt. I took a probiotic. I put them there. By correlation of my action, they now have to live there. So am I not in that sense responsible for them? Would not not technically be slavery. And I, this is where I'm going to start pissing people off probably, but I'm kind of okay with it. That idea is one of freedom. My body's not free of me. It's enslaved by me. And I argue, you know, as above, so below with the microcosm and macrocosm. I, I think I've mentioned this before. I make the same argument to the other or, you know, spiritual, higher, whatever you want to call it. My mind is enslaved to that. I'm enslaved to this, this world. And maybe enslavement is a poor word choice, but I use it because we're talking about freedom and, and the opposite of freedom is slavery. But I guess I could take the in-between there, which is imprisonment. Because unless it's internment, which is by definition for eternity, then it's imprisonment can end, has the possibility end. So you can seek freedom from imprisonment and slavery both. But, you know, let's not argue too much semantics here. So let, let me change my verbiage to maybe, you know, not poke too many bears here. If we look at this as imprisonment, my body is imprisoned to me. I have imprisoned all of the cells and everything inside of this fleshy bag that I get to control and do whatever I want with. So drinking and, and those types of coping mechanisms are just doing the prisoner harm. And that mentally has an effect on you. You are now the warden of the prison acting unethically and un immorally by doing that to the body. And I'm not here to tell you not to drink. I get it. I totally get it. If you just need to have a drink, right? But do you need the whole bottle? Do you need the whole six pack? Life sucks sometimes. I know. I get it. But I don't get your situation. So, hey, it's not up to me. It's up to you. But when we're talking about freedom, when we're talking about mental health, it's a good exercise to sit back and go, hey, wait a minute. As far as mental health goes, and we're talking about freedom, Understanding our coping mechanisms is really, really the conversation we're having because my body's not free of me. It's imprisoned by my mind and my mind is imprisoned here in this reality in which we all, you know, cohabitate this material world, this materium, if you will, that we're kind of stuck in. So if my body's imprisoned by my mind and my mind's imprisoned by this reality and I'm, yeah, okay. Reference the matrix as much as you want here. Go right ahead. But if we take that perspective, if we take that thought, um, thought experiment, essentially, what can we glean from it? What, what can we start to understand? Well, we can understand the process of coping mechanisms and we can understand what our coping mechanisms are actually doing. Are they freeing you from anything or are you just imprisoning your body? Because your body doesn't like alcohol. It's not a fan. Maybe small doses here and there. Okay, I can see the, you know, representation, the whole glass of wine thing. You know, red wine's good for the heart. Sure. Plenty of experts have said that. Well, they've also said the other two, but 
that's a conversation I, in our soapbox, I stand on far too often, the Western medical system and all of that. So let's just look at it from the perspective of, are the coping mechanisms helping or hindering my mental health? Because this podcast is called Taming Hindrances. So if it's a hindrance, if my coping mechanism is actually a hindrance, then it's not really a coping mechanism. In fact, it's the opposite of freedom. Going back to the definition, or at least the essential definition, the power to do what you want to do. Well, let's look at that a little further because the full definition of freedom from Miriam Webster's again, is the absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint in choice or action. Well, which way am I looking at this? The power to do what you want to do, that's a mental thing. Because the body doesn't have a choice. I give the body no choices. I tell it to raise the arm, it raises the arm. I tell it to shake the head, it shakes the head. I tell it to, you know, hit itself, it hits itself. I used to do that constantly. I used to use... I used to use self-harm in all sorts of different ways. It was a, it was a big part of my coping was to, to do self-harm. My martial arts practice in some cases was purely self-harm. And I coerced others into doing that, thinking that it was part of this, this practice, but I'd be the first one to line up to get hit. Go ahead, just hit me. It's fine. Use me as a human punching bag. And I would do it to myself in certain situations, which I would just punch myself in the chest or in the shoulder repeatedly. That was my methodology of self-harm because I thought, okay, well, it's better than cutting myself because I used to do that when I was a kid. And I tried to rationalize that involvement. Then I realized this isn't freedom. My body's not free from this. In fact, I'm imprisoning my body to this methodology of coping. Drinking, cigarettes, self-harm. It doesn't add up. It doesn't create any awareness whatsoever, specifically that of self-awareness. So when we look at, let's take this one step farther and we look at freedom in the definition here when it comes to self-awareness. Well, that comes down to the personal definition or requirements to feel free. Are you free of your coping mechanisms? Because if not, then you're imprisoned by them. They're not helping you. They're hindering you. And that's where we have to look at the methodology of the coping mechanisms in which we use when we talk about freedom, when it comes to mental health and self-awareness. Sitting down and making yourself a meal and watching a movie that's a feel-good, you know, comedy or something like that that just generally makes you feel good some might see as a waste of time, but others might, you know, that's a, that's a, seems to have a positive connotation. And remember how I leave connotation out of a lot of things. Here's one of those times we got to be a bit subjective. That's why you can't take the subjectivity out of freedom, nor can you take the objectivity out of it. You have to play both sides here. And yeah, freedom comes down to a bit of subjectivity, specifically when we're talking about our coping mechanisms. Do they allow you to be free of something? Mm, that's, I think that's a better way to look at it. Is it not? Is it not a better way to look at self-awareness when it comes to freedom by defining the feeling of free? Am I free of the stress? Am 
Am I free of the pain? Am I free of the anguish? Because if we're going to give it a connotation, we have to, in order for it to be a positive connotation, we must be free of a negative. And thus we're creating a balance. So in some ways, my martial arts practice was a positive freedom. I was using the pain from that, but I was gaining quite a few other things that were had a positive outlook. My body was getting healthier, although, yeah, I was causing it harm. I was also at the same time learning Chinese traditional medicine and, and ways to heal the body because it was a necessity. I, I needed to find ways to get the body healed again to make it ready for the next, you know, bout. Well, I, I didn't really fight, but I sparred a little bit, but I didn't, you know, I didn't do any professional fighting or anything like that. But even in training, you know, it's kind of like a bout. You, you're going to get hit. That's part of it. So as far as freedom goes in that sense, I think one of the greatest questions I've ever come across when it comes to mental health and self-awareness is simply, are you free of yourself? Is that the requirement? Are you free of you? Because your body wants to be. Because you've done some bad shit to it. And you constantly do. Eating hot sauce is like genocide. You're killing off umpteen, you know, bacteria in your, your gut biome by, you know, eating that level of acid, specifically of a Scoville nature, um, you know, hot sauce that kills off gut biome. That's genocide. That's a joke, by the way. Um, so are you free of yourself? That's a, that's a tough question. At least I found it tough. You might be like, oh yeah, I'm free. Maybe, maybe it's easy for you. But for me, I found it to be a very tough question to ask myself, do I have freedom from myself? When it comes to mental health and self-awareness, do I have freedom from myself? Or am I my own worst enemy in that sense? Remember, I come from everything, everything I, in my perspective here, I come from a martialist standpoint. And, and martialism is the study and action of war. But it's all a simulation of the mind. All warfare is a simulation in the mind before anything else. And I will say, maybe if I haven't said it enough to make mention that I'm a pacifist by definition. So my action of war is to be a pacifist. Pacifism is the action of no war. How do we, how do we balance it out so that war doesn't happen? What are the actions that we can take to simplify and ratify and stop warfare? That's pacifism to pacifies. So if I'm not free of myself, if that's the case, where do I look? What do I look at? You know, what are the things that can lead to a freedom from oneself? Because if you're the prisoner and the warden, ooh, that's a tough place to be. It's an ugly place to be really because you're your own worst enemy then. And then you're a constant war of yourself because remember war is by definition, the inability to reconcile two different subsets of beliefs or opinions. And if you're the prisoner and the warden, you're at odds. 
you are constantly at war with yourself. And again, that's a dangerous and ugly and horrible place to be. Mine was pretty ugly. It still is to this day. I mean, it's not like it's, there are many occasions where I'm still my own warden. I, I, I still imprison myself. I'm terrible at receiving gifts. I don't like when others try to do nice things for me. I, you know, I shy away from the, any connotation of um, familiar units or um, responsibility towards someone else. That's, I, I'm not, I'm not a fan of these things. You know, I, I shy away from them. I even, I even an occasion walk away from them. I'm, I'm much more better at being professional and keeping a professional relationship than I am of keeping a personal relationship. But that's me being my own warden. That's me imprisoning myself in the idea that one, I don't deserve it or two, it's too much work or I'm just going to be a disappointment. And yeah, I absolutely have rational and logical reasoning from all that, but it's a never ending loop that I create myself because I'm at war with myself there. I, I don't believe in unconditional love. I don't believe that's a thing. And a lot of people who want to help, you know, quote unquote, me heal or me to, you know, attain a higher self or anything along those lines, they use these words like unconditional love and I just don't believe in it. So it's hard for me to get on board with that idea. And yeah, that comes down to my own definitions, but I don't think it's much different for other people in some cases. There's always these things that we hear, we instantly have reactions to, right? You know, some of them are uncontrollable. I've said before, a stoic isn't someone who eliminates emotion. It's someone who's in control of their emotions. So maybe they don't have emotional reactions, but I guarantee they're still having reactions. They're just trying to logically and reasonably work through them at all cases and points. So something like organized religion, that's something I get that away from me. I don't want anything to do with that. I'm not against beliefs and, you know, personal faith. That's, that's a whole different story to me. It's organized religion I'm against. Not, not having belief or faith. I'm all for that. Yeah, go right ahead. Whatever you want to believe in. Sometimes I say I'm polytheistic. I believe in everybody's God. Go right ahead. I don't doubt people. I'm skeptical all the time. And I, I think it's a good way to be, is to be skeptical and critical. But I don't doubt people. You know, I've seen some amazing things in this world. I've, I've seen people put their fingers through multiple pieces of wood. I've, I've seen people break... 10, 20 bricks in one blow. I've, I've watched people lay hands on someone else and their pains and worries go away. I've seen some amazing practices of abilities that we would generally agree don't exist or aren't possible. I've seen them. I've watched them. I've watched someone put a, a chopstick through a table just with their hand. I've watched all sorts of amazing things, but it's all anecdotal. You know, these are my experiences. And maybe you've experienced your own amazing things that, you know, you question or even question to this day. Like, did I really see that? Was that really real? The world's telling me it's not, but mm, it's quite possible it is. So getting back to freedom here, in that sense, are you free of yourself? Let's go one step farther. Microcosm, macrocosm, right? So, in the macrocosm, it's awareness. It's, it's not self-awareness here. It's awareness throughout, just of our surroundings, of the coercion or 
group think the, you know, are you aware of your surroundings? These are things you must free yourself from. A marshalist does that from the very beginning. Just walking into a building, a marshalist is going to scan the layout of the building and go, okay, here are the exits. Here's how I escape if necessary. Here's how I leave if necessary. Because they're aware of the surroundings. And if the surroundings go bad, they don't want to be there. Easiest thing to do is leave. Nope, I'm out. Just nope, don't want to deal with this. This is, uh uh-uh, I'm out of here. I've done that on multiple occasions. I'm, you know, I'll just disappear from a like from a organized event. Just no, nah, too many people here. I don't like the way this is going. I'm out of here. Like, it's just you just become aware of these things. So that's part of freedom is on the macrocosm scale. Remember, microcosm is in the mental health world. Well, you know, coping mechanisms and having that conversation and looking at those, being free of oneself, having that conversation for specifically with self-awareness, what is the definition or requirement to feel free? But, and that also might include your interests or comforts and those types of things that get, you know, a, a general sense of what those are. But when we look at, that's the microcosm, going into the macrocosm, freedom has to do everything with being aware of one's surroundings be and beyond that expanding one's awareness as far as it can possibly go then cleans out into the cosmos into do alien does alien life exist are they controlling us are there some unknown overlords we have no idea about did they mess with our genetics and you know create us as humans that we know today were the elohim and the anunnaki actually Beings from other places that, you know, came here and did stuff. We don't really know. Real answers, we don't really know. It's possible. We have to just agree that it's possible. I think that's where we're at at this point. I I don't know. I can't give you one way or the other. Believe what you want to believe. That's fine. But we don't really know. There's no defined nature that no aliens don't exist. No one can actually say that. No one can make that claim 100%. It's not possible. We don't know. The answer is we don't know. And I think a part of freedom that we never discuss, ever, we shy away from because freedom seems, well, it seems structured, right? It seems prudent. It seems mm, solid. And I don't know, doesn't. So it, barely ever gets used. Unfortunately, it's a requirement. It's a requirement for one's self to feel free of themselves. In my personal opinion, to say, I don't know. Because this goes back to um, last episode, episode 26, uh, when we talked about unknown. And when I talked about unknown, I talked about curiosity. That, That was really one of the sticking points about what that episode was all about is curiosity is the coin when we talk about knowledge and wisdom. It's the triality piece. So freedom is the ability to say, I don't know. Specifically when it comes to mental health and self-awareness, and that's the microcosm, but also at the greater macrocosm, I don't know. But having an interaction of I don't know is scary to some. Part of martialism is studying that idea of what do you do when you don't know? 
Do you have the time to spend on wisdom, seeking out, finding where to get this answer? Do you have the knowledge of what to do intrinsically? Do you trust your instincts? What are they telling you? How do you trust your instincts? How do you talk to them? Where do they come from? What's, what's making them think this thing? Where is this spidey sense and what, uh, what do I do with it? Those kind of conversations. So in the microcosm and the macrocosm, freedom is dealing in the unknown. The I don't know. Because unless we're willing to admit to ourselves that we don't know, we can't move into a world where we feel actually free. Because it's a requirement at that point. If we, if we look at the definitions, going back to the definitions, I know everybody hates when I do this, but we're going to do it all over again here. The full definition of freedom, Merriam-Webster's Dictionary, the quality or state of being free, such as the absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint in choice or action, right off the bat, right there. You have to be able to say, I don't know. Because if you don't know, you're coerced. Do you know all the facts? If you can't say, I don't know. Do I? Yes. Okay. If you can't have that moment of, I don't know, let me check in with myself. You've been coerced because someone told you the facts and you just kind of went, yeah, sure. That's, those are the facts. Whatever that person said, that's not freedom. That's groupthink. That's, that's go all the way back through all the other episodes I've talked about. That's, that's being coerced or constraint in choice or action. If you can't say, I don't know, you're constrained to only knowing and not, and not knowing that's the only, you know, if you can't say, I don't know, then you are only constrained to knowing or to only have one choice or action. Maybe that's to do or not to do. It doesn't matter which is the actual event because both not doing and doing are both actions. So if you don't have the ability to say, I don't know, by this definition, you're not free in any way. You don't have freedom. Let's go farther. Essential meaning from Merriam-Webster's dictionary. The power to do what you want to do. The ability to move or act freely. The state of not being a slave, prisoner, or etc. This is where, remember, I, I started with the verbiage of slave and changed the verbiage of prisoner. That's kind of why right there. The state of not having or being affected by something unpleasant, painful, or unwanted. So let's, okay, I'm going to say that one more time. The state of not having or being affected by something unpleasant, painful, or unwanted. Do you want to feel miserable? If you can't say, I don't know, you're not free. Do you want to be in pain every day? If you can't say, I don't know, you're not free. Do I want to be poor? Do I want to be, do I want to be, do I want to be, add whatever you want at the end of that question. If you can't say, I don't know, you're not free. That's just it by definition. The reason for that is not knowing, as I talked about last episode, is the possibility for being able to find out. And it is infinite. It is what curiosity uses to drive us forward. 
It is the forward momentum of all humanity, all conscious being, all animalistic necessity to strive for reproduction of a species is the idea of curiosity. What else is possible and what comes next? And that starts with, I don't know. Because that allows you to be free and open to possibilities, to change. And remember, I've talked way back in episode nine about change and how back in episode eight, choices beget change and there's a correlation to get the change you want by making constant and consistent choices in the correlation thereof. But it all has to do with chaos and chaos is this driving force of change. Without it, we would stagnate, nothing would exist, we would just be mindless drones following, you know, whatever narrative or agenda those with slight bit of ability to think for themselves throw upon us. And that's not freedom. That's enslavement. That's being a prisoner. So freedom's important for a lot of different things. And by definition, are we free as a society? No. Absolutely not. See, freedom used to have to do with the, the domicile, the domai. You know, one would have a, a domicile, and that is where they were free to be themselves. And now, instead, we've changed that idea of one's domicile, one's home, into something else. You have no rights as far as your home is involved. You used to. It used to be a sacred space almost. The, the domicile was where one was to be free. Now, it's a privilege. Most people never get to actually have the privilege of having their own home. Because most homes are owned by the bank or someone else. Even if you have a mortgage, you don't have a home. You have a loan. You have a home that the bank owns that they will take away from you if they so choose to do because they want it or you stop paying. Yeah, there's some legal agreement in between the both of you and you know you both signed some paperwork and agreed to a this thing known as a mortgage and that gives you right to do whatever you want with the home. But the property's theirs. The bank owns it. Until you pay off that loan and the deed is in your hands. And even then, that deed has some clauses that kind of imprison you to the methodologies in which the landowners get taxed or get assessed or whatever the county or state or country wants to do to them. They're allowed. Because we don't live in a free world. We don't live in a place where freedom can exist. It was taken away. And as above, so below. So in the macrocosm, if we're aware that freedom doesn't really exist the way it's supposed to, then in the microcosm, we have to fight for it constantly. You are at war. Sorry to be the one to tell you this, but you are at war. You've been at war since the day you were born. You didn't even know. 
because that's how true wars fought. You fight the the best people, the greatest martialists of all time fight wars no one knows about. You never see them. You don't call them wars. It's an amazing thing to watch a debate, a true debate, because that's war. That is two sides with opposing opinions trying to convince the other side and all of the people watching or listening that their point's right and the other one's wrong. That's the, oh, that's the truest definition of warfare right there. It's just being done verbally through debate. It's an irreconcilable opinion. But we call it debate. We don't call it war. That's war. They're warring. We call it debate. A brilliant strategy. So in that sense, the United States of America has never not been at civil war. Any country that has a parliament in which there are multiple sides has always been at war with itself. And just like that, you have always been at war with yourself. And there's multiple pieces involved. There's your own mental health and there's your own self-awareness. There's your left hemisphere and your right hemisphere. There's your eyes versus your taste versus your hearing. Did I hear that? Did I see that? Did they correlate together? Was that what I saw? Was that what I heard? You're a constant war all the time. You're warring with your body. It's telling you, hey, I want this. I need energy. I really like these nutrients. And then your mind, on the other hand, is going, I love ho-hos. Twinkies are amazing. Let me shove this reprocessed sugar in my mouth because they're delicious. I'll vault you for that. Do whatever you want. Eat a pint of ice cream. Maybe it'll make you feel better. Might not make your stomach feel better, though, if you're lactose intolerant. That's war. So this is where I come from when I look at these perspectives. So part of this episode was to maybe give you a better understanding of where I'm coming from and how I look at these things. Might be a little different than some, but at the same time, to discuss freedom and how we can look at freedom from both a personal methodology to a, a public methodology and, and how that really affects who or what we are. Because that's kind of a defining factor if we're going to say this, that, or the other thing or have an opinion in any right or way to have mental health or to have self-awareness, we kind of need to decide who or what we are. And part of that is to understand freedom and what it means to us. Self-awareness requires, in my personal opinion, a personal definition or understanding of the requirements for one to feel free. Are you free to be who you are? Is that not what the woke community should have been arguing this entire time instead of coming up with some fucking debased bullshit that no one really believes in, but makes other people a lot of money by getting cult followers to jump on the woke bandwagon? Because that's what it turned into. And that's how communism works because that's where they got it from. It's known as Marxism. And Marxists come from a whole background of an individual writing a manifesto for a entity to piss other people off so that that entity could gain power. 
It was a coercion and corruption campaign that worked so well, people still quote that shit today, but have no idea where it actually came from because no one actually looks. So yes, I'm speaking directly to you, wokeism. You should have been a conversation on the personal definition requirements for an individual to be free or feel free. What is the individual requirements of freedom? How does one feel free to feel themselves, to be unoppressed? What's that look like? Not all the other bullshit they brought out to get people riled up and to do their bidding for them on some background, you know, paycheck that, Hey, if you get people to riot here and do this, we'll give you some money or, Hey, we'll hook you up. We'll, we'll get you that house you wanted. Cause that's what it really is. If you look at the leaders of this whole wokeism society movement, they're benefiting like a pyramid scheme and everyone else is suffering because they're being imprisoned in that idea that now for some reason, M&M, M&Ms have to be more inclusive. They're fucking M&Ms. How does that have to be more inclusive? They're fucking candy. We all put in our mouth and eat. We kill them, we put them in our mouths. and We chew on them. Like we're fucking cannibals. If we want to make them more inclusive, so if you really want to look at that harder, you should stop making M&Ms or you should stop making M&M cartoons because technically, if you're going to make it more inclusive, then those are representations of humans. And now we have children eating other humans. You have to look at these things from critical angles. If you want to be critical of wokeism, they fucking failed and they need to shut up and they need to step aside and allow what truly should have been their opinion to come out. And that should have been a conversation of personal definitions requirements for individuals to be feel free to be themselves. Not gender bias or transgender rights or inclusionism or critical race theory. No, those are agendas. They have nothing to do with individuals feeling free to be themselves. They're all about society jumping on a bandwagon to agree to an agenda that has nothing to do with personal feeling or rights. Nothing. Zero. And people are going to hate me for that. And they're going to tell me I'm wrong. And I'm okay with it because I don't care. Because that's what true freedom is. Having an opinion and being able to stand beside it, behind it, or next to it, and not give a shit about what other people think because it doesn't matter. I'm free to be myself. And myself wants amazing, great opportunities for you and everyone else. That's who I am as a person. I want everyone to, to the furthest extent possible so that it feels equal, although it never will be to be able to freely express who they are, what they believe in and what makes them not happy, but content. And that means opportunities to do jobs that they find satisfaction in 
That means the ability for one parent to make enough income for the family to exist so that the parent who wants to just be a parent and stay home with the kids has that opportunity because that's a job and it requires full-time operation. That the monetary system would reward the populace for being creative and inventive and making life better for everyone, not to punish them for having a genetical coding that makes them diabetic and now their life savings goes out the door because some asshole wants to make more money on insulin because they're just a piece of shit. I probably should have put a huge disclaimer on this episode in the beginning that I was going to get on a soapbox because here it is. These are the conversations of freedom. These are the conversations that are not happening. They're too taboo. It's not okay to say these things. It's not okay to think these things. That's called groupthink. That's called narrative. That's called agenda. That's set by things like the mainstream media. That's set like by things by people who quote unquote call themselves professionals. That's people who quote science as the science says. No, it didn't. You know what the science says? We have a theory. It's called a you know, scientific process. So we use a hypothesis and then we either try to prove it right or wrong. We don't care what this ending is. We just have a hypothesis, just a guess. Then we use the scientific method of empirical data and representation and then research. And we look at it excruciatingly in detail and we come up with an answer that either that a hypothesis was correct, incorrect, or had merit that maybe we need to look at it in a different way because it had some right and some wrong. Not to say the science says. Science is a method, not a fucking statement. It all starts with a guess. It's an all, you know what science starts with? You know what all freedom starts with? You know what all representation of other people's belief structures, opinions, and just the ability to be an individual starts with? We don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure if that's right or wrong. I have no idea. Could be. Could not be. We should find out. We should find out. We should look. And if we can't come to a conclusion, then we just leave it at, okay, I don't know. No idea. Is your God the right God? I don't know. Is, your, is their God the right God? I'm not really sure. We don't know. We have no idea. Matter of opinion. Subjective, not objective. Science is the world of objectivity. Measurable results. So when someone says the science says, and then has an opinion after that, that's not science. That's subjectivity. Subjectivity has no place in the scientific method. It's actually written out of it. It's what empirical data means. So when it comes to freedom and mental health and self-awareness, it's time to have deeper conversations. And those conversations have to start with yourself and you have to start to define what is free to you. Are you free to think what you want to think? Are you free to have your own opinion? Are you developing that opinion? Are you thinking for yourselves? Because if you are not, you are not free. You are a prisoner or a slave or some amalgamation of the two that is required to do something in reward for something else. That's that's you are the product. In marketing and in economics, anything that comes to you for free means that you yourself are the product. That's the answer. If someone gives you something for free, 
from a, you know, if they have an agenda and a narrative, then you're the product, you're the test. You're, you're, you know, Hey, do, do people like this? Let's see if we can give it away for free. Oh yeah. Or even better. Hey, I have this free service you can use and then I'm going to collect all your data and learn all about you and all this other shit. And I'm going to sell for profit. It makes you the product. You're what they're selling. Is that freedom? I don't know. The answer is I don't know. Maybe some people feel that's freeing to them. They just, they just, I don't give a shit. Take all my data, collect all the details you want, sell it for as much money. I, I don't care. Just give me, give me the service. Maybe that's free to them. Maybe it helps them in some way, but it's a personal choice. It's to the individual. Specifically here in the United States of America, we're supposed to live in the Republic of the United States of America. And the rep a Republic is a place in which the rights of the individual are sacred. But that's not how we write the laws. And in fact, we've written so many laws that most of them don't make sense together. And you can find one law to counteract another law. And if they want to keep writing laws, they should probably take some other ones away or just compound them so that it all makes sense. That'll never happen, at least not my opinion. So we have to start having the conversations of what freedom really is. Do we feel free? Do we want to be free? Is that a necessity? Is it a right? Most constitutions write it as a, it's a right to be free. But we live in an oligarchy in the United States of America. Some control a few. That's not freedom, that's imprisonment. That's the definition of an internment camp for eternity. You are stuck to be under the rule of these few people who decide what's best for you. And that's why I harp on the woke community because the woke community is bred by the community that started off with everyone gets a participation award. Everyone gets recognized. And that was an amazing idea. It really was. It was a great, wonderful idea that was poorly implemented and poorly projected. We should have had the conversation, but we were too weak to do so. We should have had the conversation about being weak and that being okay. Not being great at something was okay. Didn't mean you were lesser. Maybe your strengths lay somewhere else. And to be aware of some, to be aware of your weaknesses is a brilliant, amazing thing. Okay, you're not the best at football. Okay, you're not the best at soccer. Maybe you're an amazing violin player. And that brings a joy to so many people. Maybe you're a great singer, but you're not great at math. Maybe you're amazing at science, but you suck at writing. It's okay to have weaknesses. Why didn't we have that conversation? Instead, we had the conversation, it's okay not to win. It's okay not to be better. And that turned into, don't try to be better. No, 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 no. It's bad to be better than someone else at something. That's, no, no, don't do that. Mm, that's, that's a bad idea. And then we added things in like words like privilege. Look, I watched an amazing video on TikTok of an individual. I, it wasn't on TikTok. It was a TikTok video that I caught from another source. And unfortunately, I, I don't have the name to give you, but I'm sure you can go find it out there person put in a brilliant statement. That statement was generation X is still on the sidelines. Essentially is what they were saying. And the reason generation X is still on the sidelines is because generation X aren't racist. In fact, 
we can extrapolate from this idea that no one's really racist to begin with. They're taught to be racist. Generation X is, in fact, the first generation of the American populace that went to non-segregated schools, rode the bus together, went to the mall together, ate together, same food court, shared each other's interests in musics, created new music together, new genres, new ideas, new art, new everything. So if someone in the Generation X community is racist, they were taught that. Because we provided that generation and generations after that the opportunity to leave racism behind. But instead, the generations before them held on to it, claw, teeth, and hoof, and fucking marched it down the streets and shoved it down people's throats. And they continue to do so today in every fucking avenue beyond racism. They create new dipoles Every single instance they get a chance, there is a new way to classify yourself, a new way to classify someone else, and there is a difference between you for some reason because they've invented it. This is known as propaganda. This is known as marketing. And by both definitions, you are a prisoner to their agenda and their narrative. And thus you are not free. And my soapboxing is getting long-winded, I understand, but this is a huge, massive point we all need to get on board with, is that freedom is an individual thing. I choose to be free of assholes who promote racism. Because I know, no matter how hard I say it, that I'm not racist, no one's going to believe me, because I'm white. And that is the agenda and narrative of the individuals who created critical race theory. I can never be right. I can never not be racist because I was born white. It's impossible now. They have now made it impossible for me not to be racist. Just by being white, I am racist. How does that make any fucking sense? Your skin color has nothing to do with who you are other than what they've created the narrative there for. Because if anyone has ever sat down and taken anatomy and physiology, you understand that there's this thing called genetics and this thing called epigenetics. And there's these markers that create skin color. And they are a factor of melanin and the melanin production in your skin. You have no control over that. So how am I going to judge you upon it? I'm not. But they don't teach that. They didn't sit down and be like, all right, how do, we, how do we teach children the differentiation of their skin color? Oh, we teach them anatomy and physiology. We teach them what it is to be human, to have these things that, oh, you can have green eyes and blue eyes and brown eyes. And they're this amazing function of how your genetics express themselves. And you can have beautiful black skin and, and, and brown skin and every other fucking color. You could even be purple. Who knows? Maybe one day we can be purple because it's a function of the melanin structures and how our body takes in vitamin D and uses it. But no, instead we pigeonhole people into race categories because we need ways to define them. And by we, I mean they, and I know I'm getting a little heated and I'm getting a little too far down the don't talk about that, Phil. That's not okay. But this is the conversation of freedom. 
And if you're going to find your own freedom, you need to have this conversation with yourself and you need to understand, is this okay or is this not okay? Killer Mike uses the term for white people who are on board with fighting against racism, specifically with helping the black community flourish and become more recognized as an ally. So as Killer Mike has thanked allies on from his side to, to the white side or other sides, I'm going to extend the olive branch from my side to those who are now standing up against things like critical race theory and those standing up against every white person born white is racist because it's just a falsity that they're trying to shove down people's throats. I appreciate you standing up against that because just like you had lost your voice at some point, I am now losing mine and that's what they want. They want to divide us. Fuck that. You have a voice and I have a voice. Let's share them together. They are equal by all rights. And they should have always been equal by all rights. And I can't apologize for what my forefathers did because they were assholes too. But I'll admit to that. But I wasn't there to do it and I'm not here to do it today. But no matter what I say, I'm wrong. So what's the point? The point is I, true to, I, I choose to associate with freedom and I hope you choose to approach and associate with your freedom. What your personal definition or requirement to feel free is. If that hurts someone else, if it's to maim, murder, and kill, you're going to be eliminated. Sorry, you're wrong. Because your freedom can't oppose upon someone else's because they get to choose what their freedom is. And if they choose to be opposite, then there's war. And we are at a constant state of war all the time. And that is the true, the true conversation of freedom is you're at war. You were born in war. You're at war right now. Your attention is a war. Your voting, your vote is a war. Your dollar is a war. Everything you own is a war. Everything you do is a war. You live in a world of warfare. And as I've said before, it's better to be honest than be nice. I'm, I'm done being nice. This is me being honest. We're at war. They want us to be at war, but they want us to be at war with each other and not them. Pay attention over here while I do this. And this is why I so adamantly push for people to become more self-aware and to work on their mental health because it's the easiest way to prey upon you. I've tried my best not to be manipulative in this podcast because I can be an extremely manipulative person. It's one of my greatest skills. I've done my best not to be that way. And I know at some points I have been, it's just part of my nature, but I did that so that I could get to this point to allow people to think for themselves because that's all I'm pushing is please just do your own, do your own research, look at things critically, become more self-aware, work on your mental health, find your own understanding and things because you have to think for yourselves. It is the most necessitative piece of civilization continuing in the in 20 it started much before this but in 2022 and beyond the most critical piece for the necessity of civilization continuing itself is for you to think for yourself we can create collectives and groups and, and things that all have you know agendas and narratives that they agree upon but unless the individuals are able to think for themselves, 
There is no such thing as freedom. It doesn't exist because freedom is the opposition of war. And we are at war and you have been at war and you will continue to be at war probably for the rest of your lives and your children for the rest of their lives and their children's children. Because apparently it's become a necessity of humanity to be at war. The differentiation that we have to make from here on out is how we fight wars. Do we fight wars by making one subset of the populace continue to wage war against another subset of the populace while the ruling party essentially fucking destroys their lives by having them fight each other and then profiting from it? Because that's the system in which you live in. It's called the monetary fiscal policy system in which the Federal Reserve prints money to the banks and then the bankers give that money out in a ratio of probably 100 to 1. And they give it out unevenly and they do whatever the fuck they want with it. And then the politicians vote on stupid policies and try to shove bills together and create these fucking mega bills that have nothing to do with anything but making themselves richer and their constituents richer who were their super PACs who gave them the most money to run on so that they would get voted in because it's a popularity contest and has nothing to do with serving the populace. Or we can have open free debate. We can have open and free elections. Mind you, the word free I keep hearing here keep using here. You can have the open ability to freely be who you want to be. LGBTQ+, transgender, Christian, Muslim, Jainism, Judaism, paganism, whatever belief structure. You can have manifest destiny. You can have opportunity. You can have sound fiscal policy. These are what it's meant to be free. You can be whatever the fuck you want to be. Express yourself however you want to be. As long as it doesn't hurt someone else. And if it does, then you have an open and adult conversation about it and come to an agreement of maybe you just agree to disagree. It doesn't mean someone needs to die over it. it doesn't mean a violence needs to occur. Those who rationalize violence are those who have never had violence enacted upon them in most cases. And those who rationalize violence are those who are not able to gain the outcome they want without it. I want you to think about that one more time. Those who call for violence, those who believe violence is necessary are those who are unable to attain the outcome they want without it. It's just them. And sometimes they're amazing speakers, kind of like Hitler. And they can get other people to rally behind them. Sometimes they have enough money to buy people off. Looking at you, American politicians. Looking at you, America Big Pharma. Looking at you, European Union Looking at you, Australian government. Looking at you, CCP, China. Corruption is rampant. Corruption is not freedom. Remember, corruption is coercion, and coercion has nothing to do with freedom. So I've probably gone on about this long enough, but it's an important topic, and it's an important subject that we need 
not want to anymore. We need to start talking about. And yes, I only come from one opinion and one background, but I'm a martialist. I know this is war. We are at war. I don't want to be at war with you. I don't want to be at war with the person next to me. I'm a fucking massage therapist. I spend every day at work trying to help people feel better so they can go back to their shitty jobs and not be in pain. I do everything I can to educate myself to be a better massage therapist, to better help my clients. I don't care what color their fucking skin is. I don't care what race, creed, color. I don't care about any of it. They're another human being who I'm hoping I can help make free of their pain. That's what I do for a living. That's what pays my bills. I also do it as a passion in some cases. I do it to be of service. If you want to talk about freedom, I think it's important to ask. Is the person... I don't even know how to put this, to be honest. Is the person you're following or agreeing with being of service? Are they? Because if not, they don't want freedom for you. They want imprisonment. They want enslavement. They want you to follow them blindly. And they want you to believe them without any trust. And they have an agenda and they don't want good things for you. They want what they want for you. And that's the truest conversation of freedom. I, I don't know how to put it any other way is that there's a bunch of people out there that think they're right. They think they have the right answer. You can even add me to the list. You don't have to believe anything I say. I don't want you to. I want you to think for yourself. Because I truly do want better for other humans. I want open, honest conversations. I want governments to stop hiding things. I want the banking system to fucking stop preying on the individuals. I want big pharma and big corporations to realize they did the wrong thing. Correct course. Don't just eliminate medicine. No. Produce insulin. You can you can afford to make less money. Produce insulin cheaper. That's just one example. Provide housing to everyone. It's a fucking human right to have a domicile in which they can be free in. It's no it's no big leap to understand that humanity requires technology to exist. It's probably one of the greatest arguments for the fact that our genetics were corrupted in some way and you know we may have been created by aliens is that we can't exist without technology there's a very small portion around the equator that we could possibly maybe live on without the technology in which we have known as fire clothing shelter farming these are all technologies who knows if we invented them or not we have no idea we need the Catholic Church to stop lying about all sorts of shit and release what's in the Vatican. It's not theirs. It's humanities. You don't get to claim it and be like, no, 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 it's in the Vatican. It's ours. We're our nation state. It'd be warfare to come at us. We have dirt on all of you and you're all subservient to us because of money and all this other bullshit. I'm not saying the Catholic Church needs to disappear. People can be Catholic. That's fine. That's a, that's a way of interpretation of the Christian faith. But for an organization to exist, 
to fucking hide information from people because they think that they get to be gatekeepers. That's not freedom. So let's start talking about freedom. I want to be free of oppression and stupidity. I want to be free of not being able to have a conversation with my fellow individuals because of our color of our skin and we're, we're afraid, you know, of what might happen if we have those conversations. Because mainstream media tells me that I have to think this way and you have to think that way because we're two different people. We come from two different backgrounds. What fucking different backgrounds? We probably both love lasagna and grew up on Velveeta cheese because we were fucking poor. How about that conversation? How about the conversations about how we're all connected? How we've all been through some shit. And even those who haven't been through shit still have opinions that are amazing and beautiful. And we should talk about them. But we can all agree that politics has fucked us over one way or another. And the politicians don't have our best interests in mind. Some might, but most of them don't. They have their own personal greed in mind. That's not freedom. These things are not freedom. We are not free people. I often bring antiquity into everything, so I'm going to do it now. At the very end of this this episode, I'm going to do what I usually do. And I'm going to go back and I'm going to give a reference. And my reference for freedom and how it can so easily be taken away and so easily corrupted is if you want to look at the North Germanic tribes, including the Wodes, we go all the way back to the Roman Empire, and we have what's known as Hadrian's Wall. You can, to this day, go to Hadrian's Wall. It's just a line in the dirt now, but it's where Hadrian's Wall was built. Hadrian's Wall was built to keep the barbarians, an invented word, out of Rome. Hadrian's Wall was built so that the, again, quote, barbarians would stay on their side of the fucking wall and not come down and raid the south. What a lot of people don't know is that word barbarians was invented to make the people above Hadrian's Wall seem bad, seem ugly and disgraceful. And, you know, they were these pagans who practiced their pagan ways. It was all looting and pillaging and killing and raping. No, in fact, it was free people living a free life, farming and having community. And they had their own subset of laws and rules. And a lot of those rules were tribal by nature, but they had laws to interact with each other's tribes. They had the wise councils. They had elders who led the communities. And if someone were to commit a crime against another tribe, they would settle it inside the tribe. Punishment was always revolved around happening inside the tribe, but was agreed upon between the tribes. But these were free people. They were living in freedom. The Wodes were free people. But they were labeled as barbarians. And the Roman legions were amazing at warfare. So they went and they destroyed them. Because it threatened their way of living. Because by the time the Hadrian's Wall was built, Romans were no longer free. There was an air of freedom could be freedom but there was enslavement and there was political structures and corruption and there was a way of thinking that made these people somehow lesser because they were labeled barbarians 
And it is a great example of how dividing humans based on a description that was invented will get them to kill each other. We'll get them to do horrible things to each other. And we've lived in that world ever since. And even before that, that's just one example of antiquity, of ancient culture in which this happened. There's many, 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 many more. It's just the one I like to quote. So before we continue down the road we're continuing down, I ask you to please look at your own freedom, to please look at your own mental health and understanding of your coping mechanisms and your interests and your comforts and what makes you feel free to define that for yourself in your own self-awareness education, to look at your personal definition or requirement to feel quote unquote free. And to work a little bit at being aware of the macrocosm. We can do everything we can to understand ourselves and how our own minds work. But at the same time, we need to use that to be better at understanding how the world works and what those positions of power or authority or the science or quote unquote the scientists or professionals or experts, that's one of my favorite, what their quotes and decisions do to our freedoms and how our mental health and self-awareness are affected by those. Because that's the game. That's the game they play. And yeah, this one's ending a little bit more somber than most, but I, I think it's warranted. I think it's warranted for us to be at the point where we have to understand this is war. You're at war for your freedom. And this is not a physical freedom. It's not even a mental freedom or a spiritual freedom. It's all of them. It's all of it. It's freedom for you and your children and your friends and your family. And if maybe you're more like me, you don't have those things. It's freedom for the person next to you. It's freedom for you to be free of the bullshit. I don't want a person of a different skin color. I shouldn't even use skin color. Fuck that term. A person of a different genetical melanin production to come into the place of business in which I work and see me and my different melanin production and worry if I'm going to give them a good service or not. That's where my mind's at. Where's yours? I'm not worried about what they, what they think about me or I'm worried about, do they have to worry about coming in here and thinking they're going to get a good service or not? because of our different melanin productions. Because that's what the world's been telling them. And maybe they're thinking the same thing. They're like, oh, I really hope this person doesn't think I hate them because, you know, my melanin production is different than theirs. Or that they should have to 
somehow have to try harder or something along those lines. I don't know. Who knows? That's the narrative we're being sold. That's not freedom. They're not free to be who they are and I'm not free to be who I am. Because we have to fucking dance around this fucking, you know, everybody's got to do this dance around these taboo subjects that they keep telling us we're not allowed to talk about or, you know, this, that, or the other thing. So please, please just investigate your own freedom. Look at it hard. (laughs) Don't stop looking at it. Keep refining it and defining it. But more than that, when I talk about freedom, I have to say, please understand that you're at war. Um, You're going to continue to be at war. And you have to educate yourself on the, the, the matter of war in order to better survive it. That's just kind of where we're at. So come check us out on the next episode. I appreciate you listening. Um, check us out as uh, taminghindrances.com. Leave a review. Um, even if you fucking hate me, leave a review if you really feel up to it. You know, sound off. But it's time for us to be free. And I hope we can be. I hope you can be. Take care. Thanks for listening. Come check us out at taminghindrances.com for show notes, links, resources, and more. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, RSS, or your preferred platform. If you leave us a spiffy review, we might just mention it on the show. Now go be awesome. And just remember to breathe.